Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Psalms chapter 77. We're going to go to two places this morning. Psalm 77, and then we're going to jump over to um, Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin, we're going to pick up there, uh, Romans 8 verse 31. But I want to start here. Psalms chapter 77, it says, I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord, unto God, I cried out to God, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. Notice it said, this is a psalm of Asaph. If you notice throughout the psalms, he's written several, several other psalms, you know, and um, so this is another one that he's written. And then verse 2 says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Notice that. You hold my eyelids open and I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. You hear what he's saying? He's like, I'm just, I'm just in a place. My, I can't even sleep at night. My eyes are open. I can't even close my eyes. And he said, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. He's searching. He's trying to figure out what in the world is going on, what's happening. I, I don't quite understand. And then it says this. Notice what it says. Notice where this place that he gets to. And we don't know exactly what Asaph is experiencing, what traumatic incident or situation has, has occurred. But it's something that has just so gripped him that he's, 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 he's praying, he's crying out. And seemingly there's nothing that's happening or changing. And he's hit this place of, of, of almost just despair. And, and, and now he, he's, got, he's got questions. Notice, notice the question mark there. He says, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no, no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his tender mercies? He was saying, where is God in all of this? I'm praying and I'm seeking and I'm crying out. Lord, Lord, Lord where are you? Can't sleep at night. Been tormented in my mind. I'm wanting this thing to turn around and this situation to move. And but 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 have you have you forgotten about me? Hello, I'm here. Where are you? And then the scripture says in verse ten, uh, verse ten, it says, "And I said, this is my anguish, but I will notice something. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High." I will remember the works of the Lord. Notice the chain. I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on your work. Verse 13, notice it said then. Now, now notice the, the, transi uh, the transition and, your, and, the, and the talk of your deeds. Now, notice the transition. Verse 13, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. You have, the, you have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you and they were afraid. He's talking about when they came through the Red Sea. Notice what he said. When those waters saw you, they backed up. They were afraid. And I noticed that, that oftentimes what, 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 what scares us is afraid of God. Oh, God. I'm going to tuck that thought and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with it. But, but it says, the water saw you, oh, God, and, the wa and, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out. The skies sent a sound. Your arrows also flashed. The voice of thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. God, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now jump over. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. Now, now jump over to Romans chapter 8. see this Romans chapter 8 
verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I love these questions. You know, Paul is like, who, 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 who? But anyway, that sounded like an owl, didn't it? Who, who? But he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall sword, shall layoff, shall sickness, shall foreclosure, shall bankruptcy? For your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It, you know, sheep going to the slaughter look like it's, it's over. Buddy, you've had your best days. It's about to go down. It looks like. But then notice this. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Therefore, I, Paul, am persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to pull this together. Lord, help me. <clears throat> I want to talk to you just for a few moments. I always say that for a few moments. On the subject of just plain title, simple. He's for me or he's for you. He's for me. He's for me. Now, let me bring you back to Psalm 77 because you're wondering like, well, why did we do all that? To you? But let me just tell you, this is what got me in this particular text is reading through there. Asaph, who I said earlier was a was a was a. a um, a frequent writer of the Psalms, many, many Psalms that he written. But if you notice that he hit a time, and as I said earlier, the scripture doesn't really tell that what happened or what transpired or what took place in his life. But whatever it was, it was a circumstance or a situation that obviously he had not expected or anticipated to happen. But he found himself in to the point, obviously, it was something that was so great and so enormous and, enormous and so perplexing to the point that he started out saying I was praying and I was believing and I was trusting and I was calling out to God and I was calling on God but but after time went by and things and time passed over and over seemingly it got to the point where nothing about my situation changed and it seemed like things just kept getting worse and worse the Bible said that he said my eyelids were not closed he said I was staying up at night scratching my head tossing and turning tormented in my mind with thoughts of of out and thoughts of just despair just being wrecked on the inside and he got to a place here's here's a guy who 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 obviously in the beginning it's not that he didn't let me just say this is not that he didn't love God or care about God we're not talking about some person that is not a believer that has nothing to do with the things of God but we're talking about a man who knew God who was writing who was praying to God who who, who knew of God's goodness and greatness but the scripture said that he got so hit in life with a situation that after time passed even the strong got weak and he hit a place where doubt and unbelief began to creep in and caused him to be begin to question God himself. Notice what he said in the text. He said, will the Lord cast off forever? In other words, how long, Lord, are you just going to sit back and not do anything? How long are you just not going to answer or hear the cry of my heart? He said, 
He said, and will, will he be favorable no more? I know it. Notice we said no more. In other words, I know what your favor is like. I've tasted it before. I've seen it before. But where is it now? Where has the favor gone? He says, has the promise failed forevermore? The promise you gave me, the word that you gave me. I know you gave me a promise, but nothing looks like the promise. Nothing resembles the promise. You told me promised land, but I see wilderness. And then he says, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he forgotten about me? Has he abandoned me? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? He's at a place where he's wondering, where is God? Has God forgotten about me? And really, I, I believe he was proposing the question, I don't know if God is still for me. I don't know if God is, is still here. It's, for some reason, it seems like a relationship that was so close now had become so distant. And the scripture said that, but there came a point when you get around verse 10 and verse 11. He stopped and he said, I will remember though. I will remember. Notice what he said. I want to read it. I will remember the works of the Lord. Now watch this. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all of your work. Now, I want you to notice that there took there's a transition that took place. Notice he said, I will. In other words, he had to make a choice that even in the midst of everything that's going on that I don't quite understand and it doesn't make sense. And yes, I have a question mark for a brain, but he made a choice right in the middle of uncertainty. Right in the middle of situations that he could not explain. That he had no clue of what was going on. But he said, I'm just going to choose for a moment. That I'm going to put it over to the side. And I'm just going to come back and say, well, let me think about his faithfulness. Notice he said, I will remember. Notice what we just saying. I won't forget. I won't forget. He pulled himself back and he said, I remember the works of the Lord. I remember how God came through. I remember how God provided. I remember how God sustained and kept. I remember what God did over here. I remember how God, but what I want you to notice that he had to make the choice to pull himself to a place to remember. He said, I will. It was an act of his choice. No one could make that choice for him. No one can make that choice for you. Listen, your wife can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your children or your pastor or your praise leader cannot do it for you. When life hands you some things that, that, that hits you in such a way that it creates doubt in some form or fashion to get you to even begin to question the very thing that you used to sing about and shout about and dance about there comes a place where you have to choose within yourself and said wait a minute let me pull myself together and let me remember and watch this notice what happens when he said I remember notice the transition that took place notice how his language changed he, he starts saying first it was I Ah, ah, I can't sleep. My issues, my struggles, my dilemma. My husband, he acting crazy again. My wife is going off the deep end again. This, that, my job, this, and I, this, I can't do. I can't sleep. Ah, ah, ah. But then he starts saying, well, wait a minute. I will remember God. I'll remember God. I'll remember God. I'll remember God. But then watch this. Notice it, it goes to the next level. It says, your way, oh God, who is great, God. You are the God. You have declared your strength. You have with your arm redeemed. Notice it went from I, 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 me, 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 my stuff, my stuff to start going. God, God did this. 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 God did this and this and this and this and this. Yes, he did that also. I didn't forget. He did that. But my point is this. See, when hardships and struggles and issues and and things they hit our life that sometimes we can't explain and and it's a natural tendency especially in the in a group of believers, here's our response. You know what? Just pray about it. You know, pray about it. And I, I am awful prayer. Please don't think I'm minimizing prayer. 
But understand where this man was. He was in a position at this point where he was even doubting if God was even still for him. So watch this. Why would I go to someone who I don't believe that is for me asking them to give me something that I need? If I don't think you like me, I'm sure not going to ask you to give me something. You might put poison in it anyway. And so, you know, but, but, but you see what I'm saying? See, first he had to get to a place where he had the revelation to say, God, 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 God. If I understand that God and remember that God is for me. Now I don't have the problem with going to him and asking him to do what I need him to do. But here's the thing. But here's what has to happen. Oftentimes what we do is we put when things happen and things go down, what happens in our prayer life is that us and our issue becomes the focus of our prayer life and not God. We put us at the center of the prayer instead of putting God at the center of the prayer. Notice what he was saying, me, my struggle, my stuff, my stuff. But the moment he transitioned and said, let me move me out of the way and let me put God right in the middle because as long as I just talk about me, nothing's changing, nothing's transpiring, everything is remaining the same. But if you want stuff to start changing, you have to start focusing on the one who can change some stuff because if it was all about me I would never need him I would have never had to call on him if I could fix it but now I'm in a place where I can't fix it so let me sit Javon on the side and put God back on the throne and when I begin to focus on him then I can grab the revelation that the enemy thought he was going to get me he had me going down the road he almost had me to give up he almost had me to throw in the towel he almost tricked me to believe that God didn't love me and he wasn't for me but he done messed around and let me get in my head that I remember how good he is I remember how faithful he's been I remember how he parted the Red Seas I remember how he provided I remember how he'd opened up doors I remember how he gave me employment I remember how he restored me he done messed around and let me get that God is for me and I come this morning to declare to some people that God is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for your success. He's for your peace. He's for your joy. He's for your strength. He's for your family. He's for your marriage. He's for your children. He's for your career. He's for your ministry. He's for your calling. He is for you. God is, I dare you to touch three people and tell them he's for you. I know you may not feel it, but he's for you. I don't care what you're going through, but he's for you. You may not be where you want to be right now, but I'm telling you, he is for you. I didn't even feel like coming to church this morning, but he's for me. Oh, I believe that there's some people in here this morning that says the reason why I can't stay in the bed and it's raining outside because I believe that there's a God that's for me and I can't lay down and stream, but I'm going to get up and get in God's house and declare the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. He is for me. Oh. Mm. Paul said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for me, Javon, why? Why did I? Why was it my children that went astray? If God is for me, I raised them up in church and I, I did everything I knew to model a godly life and behavior. I did devotion. I prayed with them and they were involved in ministry. But yet when they got older, they I don't know what happened, but they strayed away. And now they're not even serving God. If God is for me, what will happen to my children? If God is for me, why did I go through that terrible divorce? 
I didn't ever think I'd get a divorce. I didn't ever think I would end up in that situation. If God is for me, why? 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 I, I eat good. I'm healthy. I'm, I exercise all the time. And I take care of myself. And, and, and I watch what I eat. And I get proper rest. But if he's for me, why did I get that diagnosis? If, if he's for me, why? 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 Why, Javon? Why? I'm always on time to my job. I'm always faithful and diligent. I always produce. But they laid me off. Why? If he's for me, how are these things happening to me? Glad you asked. <laughs> because it is to this that the Apostle Paul begins to address. Because if the truth be told, I know we got a bunch of strong believers in here. Praise God. And maybe none of you will never be willing to admit it publicly. But I stand here. I've had those questions to roll through my mind, to haunt my thought life. Why, God, if you're for me, how could this take place? But see, you have to understand that just because God is for you, it doesn't mean that things won't happen to you. Mm. You see, it says, what shall we say to these things? That if God be for us, let me get into this. Hear what I'm about to tell you. Notice it said, if God be for us, it's not a statement of question. But an undeniable fact. If God be for us, it's not a possibility. It's a certainty. If God be for us, he didn't say God was. He didn't say God will be. God might be. He said God is for us. That means right now, right at this moment, there's no probationary time that you have to be saved. There's no classes that you got to go through. There's no degree that you got to have. You don't have to wait till you have an appointment with the pastor. But right here and now, right in the middle of whatever you're going through, right now, he is for you. He's for you. And here's the thing that blesses me, because see, when it says if God if God before us notice who he's saying God before us he didn't say your husband he didn't say your wife he didn't say your friend he didn't say your compadre your homie your amigo he didn't say he didn't say if your company is for you if your president is for you if your white house is for you if your nation he said you have to have this settled if God is for you the creator of all things the controller of the universe, the conquering king. I'm talking, about, did you hear what? God, if God is for you. I get tired of Christians talking about the devil attacking me. You're sitting up here focusing on who's coming against you, but you have forgotten who is for you because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Whatever you focus on, you'll magnify. That's why David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Quit talking about the devil's coming against me. The devil is attacking me. Is he? But did you forget who's for you? Did you forget who's on your side? side? Do you, do you forget who's backing you up? Do you know that there's a whole host of angels at your disposal? Did you forget that you got a name that is above every name? Did you forget the blood of Jesus is for you? Oh, matter of fact, did you forget the Holy Ghost is inside of you? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I don't care if hell comes against me because God is for me and he can't take me down if God is in me because he can't take God down. Oh, if it... My boss is against me. My boss is against me. They're against me on my job. Really? Well, God is for you. You need to walk in there. I'm not talking about being cocky and arrogance, but I'm talking about walking there with Godfidence. Mm -hmm. That's confidence in God. You may, you may act crazy if you want to, but you better watch out. 
because I got somebody that's backing me up. I got somebody that's with me. I got somebody that can speak on my behalf. Don't, don't make me call him. Don't make me go to the bathroom and shut the door and begin to you better watch you better understand don't make me get in there and start calling my help don't make me get in there and start calling declaring thy king I'll come up thy kingdom come thy will be done I will shut some stuff down up in here because God is for me boy I feel something We've forgotten who's for us. We've forgotten who's on our side. We've forgotten we're king's kids. We've forgotten we've royalty. The Bible said we are a royal priesthood, chosen generation. Do you know what runs through your vein? Royal blood runs through your vein. The blood that speaks better things. Did you forget who your daddy is? Did you forget who your big brother is? The Bible said we are now sons of adoption. We're, we're about, this ain't even what I preach like. We're about, we call Abba Father. And that's good. We received the spirit of adoption. But when Paul related to this term, you have to understand in that culture, the adopted children... They weren't just seen as adopted children. They were noticed, they were received, and they were respected as the biological children. So when I look at Johnny, who might be the biological, and I look at Susie, who might be the adopted, in the natural, we'll say, that's my adopted son, my adopted daughter. But when God looks down, he said, Jesus, that's my son. Jake, that's my son. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He'll say, Lynn, that's my daughter. Because you have to understand the scripture says that now we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ of the prompt. Oh, you don't believe what I'm saying. We better get in the Bible and understand who is for us and what we have. Because it is in that place that you're able to handle life. When it brings you unanticipated situations, unexplainable outcomes, unexpected instances. I didn't anticipate this was going to happen this way. I didn't expect it was going to come out like this. Uh-uh, uh-uh, this is, I can't explain this one. This one's got me scratching my head. This one caught me off guard. This one blindsided me. But see, the Bible is filled with people that can relate to these type of issues. That, 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 that it, it, It's critical that we understand that we have to have a revelation that he is for us. Because it's only the way that we will be able to handle the unexplainables of life. The unexpectance of life. The unanticipated of life. That's exactly when you look at the life of David. You look at him. The Bible said that when he, 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 he I love the story, but you know. And I don't love what happened, but just listen to me. When he committed adultery, an adulterous affair, and he had a son, the Bible said because of judgment, the scripture said that, that this child was stricken with illness. And the Bible said that David fasted for seven days. He fasted and he prayed and he sought God for seven days. And he said, just, I'm just praying and believing God is going to be gracious because isn't he gracious? Isn't he merciful? Isn't he loving? Isn't he kind? Absolutely. And the Bible said that for seven days he fasted and prayed. For seven days he sought God. For seven days he isolated himself. And he's praying for a miracle. Oh God, don't let this child die. Oh God, may this child live and see your goodness oh God I repent forgive me of my sins but Lord touch this child the Bible said the elders would try to check in with him he wouldn't have nothing to do with anybody he just wanted to cry out God to God for the sake of that child but the Bible said that on the seventh day the child died wait a minute that just messes up what our faith does that messes up with our, our our church stuff sometimes doesn't it well I fasted and prayed didn't you say this kind cometh out by fasting and praying didn't you say if I fast and I pray, 
Wait a minute. It was on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. That's the seven. That's the number of completion. It should have been completed on that seventh day. But what happens when it don't turn out how you thought it would? What happens when you've done everything that you know to do and what the Bible tells you to do, but it still happens in the exact opposite of what you thought would be? It is in that moment that you have to have a revelation that he's for me. Because, see, the Bible said that David, watch this, that when, when, when he heard them over talking, he said, is he dead? And they said, ooh, he talking now. And he said, is he dead? And they said, he's dead. The Bible said David jumped up. He washed his face. He anointed himself with oil. He went into the house of God. And began to worship. And David stood, declared, I'm not saying that he wasn't, here, here, don't get me wrong. Let me, let me, let me, let me explain this. I'm not saying that he wasn't still hurting. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it wasn't still on his mind. But what I am saying that he understood at that moment, I can't change what has happened. I can't fix what didn't go the way that I thought it would be. But I'm going to tell you what I am going to do. I'm still going to go into the house of my God and worship him and praise him and declare that he is good. I don't understand why it didn't turn around. I don't understand why it didn't work out the way that I thought it did. And the Bible said he said this. He looked at him and he said, you know, here we go. Here, this is all it is. I can't bring him back from where he's gone, but I know what I can do. One day I can go where he is. And how could he say that with confidence? Because he knew that God was for him. He knew that if God is for me, one day I will be with him. Can I take you another story that, uh, of another man that had to deal with the unexplainable, the unanticipated, the unexpected? And that was John the Baptist. Can you imagine John's story? We hear about John from the Old Testament to the New. We hear him being talked about. Old Testament prophecies are echoing all the way to the New. Testament talking about this great man of God this great John the Baptist who would be proclaiming the word prophets were talking about how he's going to prepare a way in the wilderness he's going to be a voice that's crying out prophets were saying this joker here is coming in the spirit of Elijah he's going to turn the hearts of the father back to the children this guy is going to be preaching a message of repentance repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand John the Baptist come through steps on the scene he's baptizing people in the Jordan River he's calling people out he's calling and all the religious Sadducees and Pharisees. He's calling them vipers and brood vipers. Come over here and repent with your crazy self and bear some fruits that's worthy of repentance. I'm laying the axe to the root. Enough with this religious stuff. And the Bible said people were flocking to John getting baptized. And then this man stood up against Herod who committed an adulterous affair. And he said, you're in sin, buddy. You're off. Called him out. Confronted him with his issue. And the Bible said that he was thrown in prison. Not only was he thrown in prison, but the scripture said that he was set to have his head on a platter. Oh, we can attest to that. Because we got people today that's standing up for the truth, having their heads cut off. Oh, it's a real deal. That's happening for people that won't compromise. I'm going to tell you why they don't, won't compromise. I know that he's for me. But the Bible said John is in prison. And could you imagine what John was like at first? He was like, oh, in prison? Whatever. Whatever. Joker, I'm, I, I'm, I, got, I got long hair. I eat locusts and wild honey. Do you understand who I am? Camel's hair. Leather sports jacket. Been in the wilderness for I don't know how long. What? Prison? Whatever. Show me where my cell is. He goes in because you know why? He's like, it's all good because I got big cuz coming to get me. It's a matter of time for big cuz coming. Cousin Jesus. He got me. It's a matter of time. Yeah, y'all have fun. I know. I know my head's supposed to get cut off in the morning, but I ain't going to be there because big cuz coming. John's walking around with the confidence. He's walking around with the faith. He's walking around with his shoulders squared and his head up high. And he's saying, you know, I'm good because coming. And it's a matter of time. The clock is ticking. It's getting later in the evening. He's saying, because coming. 
See, earlier that day, it was like, because coming, yeah. But no, now it's cousin. You coming? And as long as it went by, all of a sudden, cousin, where are you? Jesus, come on now. Because the Bible said this. The Bible said that when Jesus heard that John the Baptist was in prison, watch this. He departed and went to Galilee. What? You heard I'm in prison and you're going to leave and go to the next city? You know my situation. You know my predicament. You know what I'm in and you're just going to leave me like that? Because have you ever felt that God just departed from you? That, that he went in the opposite direction of your dilemma? I need him here, but he's gone that way. And the Bible said that John got to a point and watch this. Watch this strong man of God. Watch this. The unexplainable, the unexpected. Notice what he said. He goes, well, I thought it was because. Called for some disciples. They did a visitation. Talked them through the window. Picked up the phone. He said, look, man, I thought that was because coming. But uh, go ask that joker. Is he the one? They sent the disciples. See, some of y'all, y'all, I ain't never been in jail either in prison. I just, you know, but some, but he said, he said, they were there putting money on his books that day. But anyway, but he said, he said, he said, go, go see if that's him. And the Bible said, the Bible said they went and they came back. They said, oh God, I need you to see if that's really him because Right now, I'm not sure. Wait a minute. How could John the Baptist, how could the one, watch this, who stood up and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away our sin. How could the John the Baptist who, who, who leaped in his mother's womb with Jesus, they both were in the mother's womb leaping and, and high-fiving each other through the stomachs and stuff. They, 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 he baptized Jesus himself. The Bible said even John, it was the prophecy in John chapter 1 that John the Baptist wasn't that light, but he would bear witness of that light. Even John said, you know what, I must decrease so that he can increase. He said, this dude that's coming behind me, I'm rolling out the red carpet of repentance, but my homie that's coming behind me, Jesus, my big cuz, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. But yet now he's asking, is that really you? When saints have second guesses, is that really you? And then Jesus said, go tell John this. He said, go tell John again. Notice what he said. Notice what we talked about. Uh, remind John. Tell him the blind see, the sick are healed, the dead is raised. In other words, tell John, I am still who I, I still who I, I am still who I said I am, and I'm still doing what I've always done. I am the Lord thy God. I change not. And just because your circumstance has changed, it doesn't mean that I have changed. Just because your situation has changed, it doesn't mean that I have changed. I know this has not turned out the way you thought it would. It, it didn't meet up to your preconceived expectation. But you need to know I'm still Jesus. I'm still the Messiah. I'm still on the throne. And the Bible said this, and he's made this statement. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. Scandalazo. Cause to stumble or cause to have a mindset or conduct based upon what happened to an individual. Stumble, fall away. Blessed is he that don't stumble in their faith and fall away from faith because it didn't turn out how you thought it should. It didn't come out the way you had it pictured in your mind. Oh, God. He said, don't get offended at me 
because you have to understand something about God. God sees things that we don't see. You have to know that there's always a bigger picture. You have to understand that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But what you have to come to, you have to understand there's, there's, the, there's a faith battle and there's a trust battle. In other words, faith is, see, we, we don't, we, we normally, we do good with faith. We believe in God's ability. We believe that he can, but the struggle comes in trusting that he will because faith has to do with his ability, but trust has to do with his character. Because mm. John knew he had the power to bust the jail open. He knew he could, listen, the joker walked on water. He said, I can call angels if I needed to. I laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Come on now. I can still storms. You think I can't bust through a jail? He, it wasn't a problem with ability, but it came to a point. I've got to learn to trust his character because when you trust his character, what you're saying is God, even if it don't happen, like I thought it would, even if it don't turn out like I expected, I still trust your character. I trust you because I know that at the end of the day, you are for me. You have my best interests at heart. And we have to get to a place in our walk with God, in maturity, in our relationship with God, that we not just believe in his ability, but we trust in his character and know that he knows what's best for us, even when it feels uncomfortable at the time. Say he's for me. He says it right here. He said, I'm going to show you why I'm for you. He gives you three reasons right here. Are you ready real quick? I'm going to give them to you quick. He says it right here. Here it is in the scripture. I'm for you. The reason why I'm for you, number one, it says in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know what he's saying? Know that I'm for Here's the anchors that you got to have in your soul to know that I'm for you. Number one, anchor number one. Christ died for you he said just look at the cross look at the cross in his dying for us he suffered for us in his dying for us he became sin for us in his dying for us he became the curse for us that we might be redeemed from the curse when I read Isaiah 53 yesterday this is the way I read it he was wounded for us he was bruised for us. He was chastised for us. He received stripes for us. An anchor to your soul and spirit that God is for you is understanding anchor number one that he died for me. He so loved me. He gave his life for me. He shed his blood for me. He gave it all for me. If I didn't care about you, if I didn't care about your family, if I didn't care about your children, if I didn't care about your comfort, if I didn't care about your internal security, I would have never came down from heaven into the form of man, clothed myself in flesh take on all that I did for three and a half years I would have never suffered and endured all that I went through just because I didn't care just to have something to do just to be some painting on a wall just to give an opportunity for people to gather in churches all across the world all across the nations every day every Sunday just to patty cake and go through a service to have a nice good feeling absolutely not I died for you because I'm for you I died for you because I want you I died for you because you are special to me anchor number two Christ intercedes for us notice he said I didn't just hang for you on the cross I'm still hanging in there for you the Bible said this. Notice what he said this. He who, who condemns us. He said, as Christ died and furthermore also risen. Watch this. After he's raised, he said, if that wasn't enough, he said, I'm, I'm still not being for you. He said, I come off the cross and you know where I went? I went into the temple. What did he start doing? Anchor number two. He intercedes for us. Right now, the scripture said, he's living to make intercession for us. The message says he's always on the job for us. 
The Bible said we have a high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities that was tempted in all points as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, he intercedes. Notice he's a high priest and an intercessor. As high priest, he says, I'm touched with your feelings. I know what you're feeling. I know your struggle. I feel your insecurity. I feel your doubts. I feel your fears. I feel your hurts and pains. I know you're smiling on the outside. I know you look real nice and cute today and makeup done and all your nice clothes and stuff. But I know you're hurting on the inside. I know you're broken. I know you're ready to give up. I know you're ready to give in. I know you're ready to throw in the towel. I know you, you, you came this morning and you even said that if I don't hear something today, if God don't speak to me today, I don't know if I can go back home to that situation. I don't know if I can go back home to that relationship. I'm, I'm just done. I, I can't take it no more. I'm hurt. I'm broken. He says, I feel that. I feel that. I feel that frustration. I feel that discouragement. I feel it. I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmities. And he said, therefore, that's why I'm not just high priest. Because when I feel it, I just don't feel it. I do something about it. I stand at my father's throne and I start speaking on your behalf. Oh, God, give them strength. Oh, God, help them. Oh, God, keep them. They can't give up. They can't give in. He's interceding on your behalf. He's pleading your cause to the father. He's saying, I want you to succeed. I want you to come out. I want you to come over. I want you to come through. I'm glad that you pray for me as a church. I'm glad that my wife prays for me. My mom prays for me and my friends. But let me tell you something. It's nothing like knowing that Jesus, the son of God, right now, this morning, as you're sitting in this service, he's crying out to God on your behalf, saying, hang on, stay in there. Don't you quit. Don't you give up I got you I'm for you he's interceding I want to talk to somebody the devil is cutting the devil is gripping somebody with condemnation he's saying you messed up again you've fallen again you did it again look at you look at you thought you was a man of God thought you was a Christian thought you loved God people that love God don't do that but I'm telling you he's you got to know that God is for you he's living to make intercession because see the Bible said the devil is the accuser of brethren but Jesus is the intercessor for his children Woo! and every time the dead will bring up a negative towards you Christ brings up a positive of his blood they did that he said but I did that they did that but I did that they did this but I did this they fallen again well I'm gonna lift them up they're cussing again but I'm gonna clean their mouth they cheated again but I'm gonna help them I'm gonna deliver them I'm gonna set them free I don't care what they did because there's nothing that they did that can undo what I did on the cross I intercede for you Last one, third anchor. First anchor, he died for me. He intercedes for me. Third one, here it is. It's the greatest of them all. The greatest of these all. He loves me. Who, let me read it again. Who shall separate us from the love of God? I'm persuaded. Paul said, I'm persuaded. I don't care what you say. I don't care what happens to me. I'm persuaded. Nor height, nor depth, nor angel, nor principality, nor things the present, nor things to come. I don't care what it is. There's absolutely nothing that can separate me from the love of God. There's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I say, I'm going to say it again. I don't care what the enemy will try to say. Nothing. I said nothing can separate. You have to be persuaded that if anybody Listen at Paul, who was beaten, who was shipwrecked, who was stoned, who was forced to do fast. He didn't have a 21 annual. He was forced to fast at times. Hungry, abused, left for dead. But even him said, I still know he loves me. 
Stripes and all, he loves me. Stones and all, he loves me. All I have is a plank and a promise, and I'm out in the ocean, but he loves me. They left me for dead, but he sent some saints to get around me and pray for me, and I got back up because he loves me. Why, why is that important? And I'm about to close. Matter of fact, go ahead and stand to your feet so I can close for real, real. Why is that important? Because, see, we like to jump to yay in all these things. We are more than a conqueror. It sounds good, but until you have it settled in your heart that he's for me, till you have the revelation of the anchors that he died for me, he intercedes for me, he loves me, now you can really believe this. Now you can read, because now you understand, watch this, in all these things, did you catch that? In order to be more than a conqueror, Hupernikios, super abundant, super victorious, far and beyond a normal victory is what it stands for. Notice it said, in these things. In other words, I experience being more than a conqueror when I'm in it. So what God is saying to you, when you understand that I'm for you, if you ever find yourself in these things, you know that I'm for you, you know that I died for you, you know that I'm interceding for you, you know that I love you, so therefore, now that you are in these things, you are more than a conqueror through him that loves us. Matter of fact, show them what these things are. Put it up. I want to see this slide and I'm about to close. Things. Things. When I'm in trials, he's for me and I'm more than a conqueror. When I'm in hostilities, he's for me and I'm more than a conqueror. When I'm facing injustice, come on, I'm more than a conqueror and he's for me. When I'm facing necessities, I'm in need, I need provision, I'm in need, he's for me and I'm more than a conqueror. If I'm in grief, he's for me and I'm more than a conqueror. And if I ever face any setbacks, even in my setback, I'm set up to come back because he is for me in all these things. So what am I telling you? When you have a revelation that God is for me, here's what I put last. You walk in unshakable security. Did you hear what I said? Unshakable security. No matter what happens to me, I win. No matter what I go through, I win. No matter what I face, I win. No matter what I go through, I win. What if you die? I still win. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I still win. And so I just stopped by and dropped this little message in your heart. And to remind you, as Asaph had to do, because I believe there's people, I know there's people that are going through things right now. Facing situations, facing certain unexplainable unanticipated and unexpected I know it I feel you I felt you all week but God wanted me to remind you that I'm for you I'm for you I'm for you say it he's for me no say it again he's for me he's for me he's for me throw your hands up right now and just begin to declare it he's for me I don't know what you're going through I don't know what your thing is just say it right now he's for me Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.